Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Cleveland Guardians 5, the Boston Red Sox 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, that thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And we are going to dive into the storylines of this game. I can tell you right now, the storylines of this game are going to be errors. Uh, it's going to be Emmanuel Classe not getting a strike call in the ninth inning that sets him off uh, in a good way, in a good way for us. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, Tanner Bybee. Uh, we're going to talk about his pitching. It's a very solid start, very, dare I say, Bieber-esque, and that's not necessarily a compliment. It is and it isn't. Um, so we're going to get into all that. Uh, I have a few housekeeping things. Um, just in case you haven't been listening uh, the last few days, uh, let me dive into the the spam box uh, situation here. So uh, at the email address, clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com, I've been pushing you, I've been challenging you all season to fill up that inbox. Turns out uh, that my nice free Gmail account here has been throwing a lot of your emails into the spam folder, and I had no clue why. So uh, I, I cleaned it out. I saved as many emails as I can, and we're going to have a big email day this weekend where I'm going to go through all these emails, no matter how relevant or irrelevant your comments are at this point. I want you all to be heard, and I'm going to address all of them. And so I've been hearing from people. Uh, different people have been reaching out and saying thank you. Uh, you know, they understand. They, they thought it might be something like that. Um, and then other people, you know, the, the spam filter eventually does delete messages. So uh, I think Jared, I got two emails from Jared uh, tonight, and I'm guessing both of these emails are originally dated from April. One of them is from April 1st, which is going to be a really fun email to follow up on, Jared. Uh, so I'm guessing he took his, went to his sent box and forwarded some old emails uh, that never made it onto the show, and those are going to be included. So thank you, Jared. And if you're in that situation too, uh, where you sent me an email a long time ago, push it back through to the inbox. We're, we're going to do it. Here's my plan. The plan is to do it all on Sunday. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually traveling. Um, I'm going to be traveling this weekend just for a night. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to do something a little different that we haven't done in the past. Uh, I'm going to take a night off. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to. It's going to be easier for all of us. I'm going to take a night off, so there won't won't be an episode Saturday morning. And what I'll do is I'll do a massive episode. Sunday morning, and we'll treat it like a doubleheader. That's what we'll do. So we'll cover Friday's game and Saturday's game uh, on Sunday morning. Uh, games against Houston. Uh, so the, they're going to be big ones. They're going to be interesting. Uh, there's st- still plenty of bla- bad blood out there when it comes to Houston coming into town. Uh, so um, we're going to cover it all on Sunday morning, and we're going to clean out the inbox. So it's going to be a big episode. I'm gonna. I'll try to keep it all condensed down to like 45 minutes um, to an hour. I know, uh, you know, if these episodes get too long, it makes it hard to listen to. So, I'll do my best to keep it condensed. Uh, maybe we'll have to spread the emails out, and we'll do half on Sunday and then half on Monday morning's episode. Uh, but I'll do my best to go through it, and we're gonna get all your thoughts in there. So. Uh, so yeah, so I hope that works for everybody. Uh, we'll do a double. We'll take Saturday morning off, and we'll do a big double header episode on Sunday morning. So with that, with all that out of the way, I also got a nice message uh, on Twitter. Uh, I want to shout out Andrew, who uh, 
had emailed me or had messaged me on Twitter uh, about an email coming through or not. And uh, he understands. His, his email ended up in the same situation in the spam folder. We figured it out. Um, and I just want to throw, throw in there uh, that Andrew, at the end of his message here on Twitter, said, thanks for the show. My son and I enjoy it. Go Guards. Which, Andrew, I can't tell you how awesome that is to hear. Uh, you, know, fa- you know, Family members, whether it's fathers and sons or mothers and daughters or any combination of that relationship, uh, it's so cool when, you know, People from, you know, family members from different generations can share the love of baseball and the love of this game. And it is a sport. I think that I think it brings us together a little bit more than man. Football really, really makes people angry. Right. And really divides people. I feel like baseball is a little bit different. I feel like baseball does still bring people together. Uh, they can enjoy it, even whether the team's having their best season or not. And we'll admit they're not having their best season right now out there. Um, it's still something we can all get around and enjoy, and it's nice to have on in the evenings and, and talk about and bond over. So a father and son uh, watching guards together and, hey, listen to this podcast, that's just awesome. That's so cool to hear. And I think I've shared a lot on this show how uh, you know my love of the game came from bonding with my dad and my brother, you know, over this game. And, uh, yeah, I mean, my dad coached us all through Little League. And, um, yeah, my brother actually had a little more success. I'll give give him a shout-out. I don't know if he's going to listen or not, but I'll give him a shout-out. He had a little more success with the high school baseball stuff and things like that. He's actually a, he's a pretty good pitcher. Pretty wicked curveball my brother had. Um, I went more the football route. Uh, neither of us became superstars. Uh, we now, uh, we now spend our days playing old man softball, but the game still brings us all together. We still, that, you know, we still talk about it with my dad all the time. We, we took my dad to a, you know, a day game back in May. We, we snuck away from work and sneak away. I mean, we, we took some PTO and, uh, took my dad to a day game back in May. That was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, so it's, it warms my heart. It's very cool to hear. Uh, you know, generations sharing the game together. So with that said, let's get into the storylines of this game. And I told you my top storyline is errors. And that fourth inning was, whew, that fourth inning was wild. And, you know, I've got the game on in the car. We were we we're coming back from a hike. Um, by the way, if, if you're not a native Clevelander, um, and you do make the pilgrimage to Cleveland to come for you know a game, a weekend series, or something like that. In between games, uh, during your downtime, take advantage of the hiking in Northeast Ohio. Cleveland, Cleveland, especially in the summer, is gorgeous. I, if you've never been here, and for some reason you have a connection to this baseball team and you follow along with this podcast, but you've never actually been to the city of Cleveland, it's a gorgeous city. Uh, don't believe any of the you know the negative things you've heard out there. Absolutely beautiful. So we were hiking along a river that had little waterfalls and things like that. So beautiful night. Get back in the car. I'm listening to this fourth inning. And uh, I know my wife isn't paying attention. The baby's not paying attention. The dog might be paying attention. Uh, so I'm locked into the game. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going on in this fourth inning? I mean, an insane amount of errors were recorded in this inning. I'm not 100% sure how all these things are scored. 
So I believe five errors, if, if I'm correct, five errors are committed here in this fourth inning split between the two teams. So it starts with uh, Boston up in the top of the fourth. Enrique Hernandez uh, hits a ground ball to Andres Jimenez. I'm listening to Hamilton talk with Tam Con- Tom Candiotti, tell stories while also trying to call this inning. Uh, Candiotti actually had some interesting stories. Um, he's been on, I don't, I don't know why, I haven't heard why, but he's been on the radio all weekend. So it starts with Enrique Hernandez singling on a ground ball. Apparently Andres Jimenez made a fantastic athletic play to get to the ball, but then throws way wide of uh, first base. So they give him a single on the hit, and then he advances to second on the throwing error uh, by Andres Jimenez. He moves up on a fielder's choice or on a ground out by Duran. Connor Wong strikes out swinging, and you think Bybee might get out of it, but then Valdez grounds one to first base to Josh Naylor, and I swear to God, Hamilton didn't know what to do with this play. I mean, Hamilton was nearly speechless. Nearly. He's still a professional. He, he, he got it out there what happened on the play. But, I mean, how would you describe this play to a friend here? So Valdez chops one to Josh Naylor. He fields it cleanly. He's playing deep. You know, with that runner on third, with two outs, he's playing pretty deep on the infield. And... You know, my dad, I just mentioned he coached us in Little League, right? And his message, to, and no matter what age we were, his message is baseball is a thinking man's game. And you have to know where you're going with the ball if it gets hit to you. And he literally used to do this during practice. He would he would be standing out there, you know, hitting grounders and fly balls, and we're all spread out across the field, right, taking defensive practice. And he just shout out to you, Will Brennan. It's the first name I saw and I looked at Statcast. Will Brennan, ball gets hit to you. Where are you going with it? I'm going to second with it, coach. All right, perfect. Would he hit it to him or not? No. He just wanted to hear it. Wanted everyone to be thinking, where am I going to go with the ball? Josh Naylor fell victim to this very same thing because the ball gets hit to him and he kind of gets caught. He gets caught in between just running to the bag and just tagging first and beating Valdez to the base or flipping it to the pitcher covering and recording the out that way. He fields the ball perfectly cleanly and then takes a few steps, stops, goes to flip the ball, and literally just drops the baseball. And it dribbles away from him. And the runner's safe and the run comes in to score and it's our second error of the inning. And I, I literally, it, it almost looks like it almost looks like somebody like powered down Josh Naylor. Like he's a literally a robot that shut down midway through the play. And the ball just rolls out of his hand. It, it it makes no sense. It's like his brain just got stuck. And I this this I'm not saying this insultingly. Like I mean it was just it was an error, just a sloppy error, but it literally I don't know. I've just never seen it. And Hamilton clearly had never seen anything like this because he doesn't really know how to describe it. He just says that Naylor feels the ground ball cleanly, runs the first, and drops the ball. Like It was almost like there was a question mark on the end of Hamilton's call. And 
yeah, it's just one of the most bizarre plays I've ever seen. So, uh, he was like three steps away from the base, too. Like, he he was there. And he drops the ball, and they get a run in across. So, they take a two-to-one lead. Um, you know, we had scored early. They, they had scored in the uh, first inning. We had responded in the second inning with some nice hits in the second inning. Middle of the lineup, again, getting some hits. Yeah, Naylor, three hits in the... Middle of the lineup, Amir Rosario, three hits at the top of the lineup as well. So, nice to see the people that uh, are in those big spots coming up with some hits. So, they take a 2-1 lead in that fourth inning. We get our shot in the bottom of the fourth inning. Uh, it starts with Amir Rosario with a single uh, on a ground ball to, uh, to second base to Valdez. So Ahmed Rosario beats out, uh, is this the one that was like chopped? I think this one was chopped and he came charging in and uh, just couldn't make a play on the ball charging in like that. Uh, let's see, I bet I could look at the launch angle and probably figure this out. Yes, it was a negative 10 degree launch angle, 54.8 mile per hour exit velocity with 100 expected batting average and uh, he beats it out for an infield single. Then Jose Ramirez Gets a double error. A, he pulls off the old double error. It's one thing to reach on an error. It's another thing to advance on a second error. So the first error uh, is charged to uh, the first baseman, Cassis. Uh, so he hits one to his right. Kind of lays it a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, ricochets off his glove. So he's going to be safe at first, probably. But then... Uh, Valdez, the second baseman, tries to scoop the ball up and flip it back to Cassis to try to make the out on Ramirez and flips it right over his head. Just right. I mean, it was a bad flip. Cassis also kind of overextends himself, so he can't go up because he's already reaching out. It's something we talk about, the mechanics of first base. You you have to react to the ball. You can't, you can't be stretched out there because you make yourself immobile, and that's exactly what Cassis does. He can't reach any higher because he's already stretching out towards Valdez to receive the throw. So everybody moves up a base. Now we've got runners on second and third. Nobody out on two errors on the same play. Naylor makes them pay. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about this team. Yes, Naylor makes him pay with a single. He shoots a single through the right side, 101.5 mile per hour exit velocity, Good piece of hitting from Josh Naylor, and it brings Ahmed Rosario in to score. Jose Ramirez moves up to third. Then we do add on here because Josh Bell would reach on another fielding error. He would hit one down the third baseline towards Raphael Devers. Devers again would go uh, to play it to his right, and it would bounce off his glove. So twice in this inning, uh, corner infielders for Boston let a ball ricochet off their glove. This one brings Jose Ramirez into score. Was Devers distracted by Ramirez leaving third and going for home? Maybe. Maybe, you know, was it the old situation of, you know, we see it with wide receivers in football all the time where they where they go to turn up field before they've even caught the ball. So was this a situation where Devers was getting ready to react to Ramirez coming home before he even had the ball? It doesn't feel that cleanly. Maybe kind of felt like that when they slowed it down. And showed that angle of Ramirez coming home and looking back at him. Um, so uh, we get another run there on the fielding error. Uh, 
Jimenez would then ground into a double play, unfortunately, uh, and Brennan would line out to left field to end the threat. So, uh, yeah, it's it's one of those situations where I'm really glad we scored two runs out of the situation. Don't get me wrong. I'm very glad we scored two runs. However, this kind of thing where when it happens against us, doesn't feel like someone's putting up a three-run home run. Right, It just seems like one error or that one walk and then boom, someone hits a home run and now we really pay. It really compounds that mistake and we just don't have that pop right now. We just don't have that pop in our lineup. Uh, We'd hit back-to-back doubles in the fifth inning. One of them, uh, Ahmed Rosario's would be a home run in zero out of 30 ballparks. Ramirez, which was a decent shot, would have only been a home run in three out of 30 ballparks. So, uh, yeah, we're just not showing that pop right now that can drive the ball out of the ballpark. It's something about Cleveland. The last two years, the Guardians have not been able to hit home runs, especially at home. And so, yeah, in this fourth inning, I feel like other teams would have put one out. The pitcher's in a bad situation. His defense is letting him down. There have been so many mistakes. It feels like a home run is the natural conclusion to all those compounding mistakes, right? It all leads up to a home run. So when it doesn't, and yeah, Nagler's single is nice, and Josh Bell getting the fielder's choice on the error by Devers is nice as well, but um, is Devers actually... Okay, Devers is credited with a fielding error. Just wanted to make sure. Um, Those things are nice, and to take the lead is nice, but it it feels like if we're going to be a winning team, if we're going to be a playoff team... We have got to do more damage with innings like that. I'm glad we tack on in the fifth inning because it just it felt like when we carry a three to two lead at the end of the fourth inning, didn't feel good. The, the runs were handed to we handed them runs, they hand runs back to us. It just felt like two bad teams trading runs in the fourth inning. It didn't feel like anyone won the inning really. So I'm glad we add on the fifth. It, it made me feel a little more comfortable about being, have I been positive? About being positive about this win. Um, you know, being able to add those doubles in the fifth inning. It was some good hitting. They they didn't have a shot at home runs. Okay, fine. They still hit the ball hard uh, and still made some good things happen there in the fifth inning. So I'll give them credit for that. Uh, sure, home runs are great, but uh, at, least they, uh, at least they're having some really uh, good at bats there and hitting the ball really hard. Uh, Rosario's was at a 101.9 to left field. Ramirez's double was at 98 mile per hour exit velocity to uh, to uh, right field. So uh, and obviously drives in uh, Rosario to score. Uh, they can't bring Ramirez in. Uh, Rosario's double did score Quan from first base. And once again, I, we literally just talked about this. Is Stephen Kwan the best baseball player in the world when it comes to scoring from first base? I actually think a good throw would have had him in this situation. And it, it happens a lot. I mean, we joke about it in an old man softball. Like, just just go. They're not going to throw you out. When's the last time someone was ever thrown out in old man softball? Just go. Put the pressure on them. Uh, kind of applies to Major League Baseball. Even the best in the world. Even the best in the world. Like, a perfect throw, Quan is actually out there. Uh, but it's a hard game. It's hard to make those perfect throws. So uh, we get a run there. And then, obviously, 
Ramirez drives in Rosario for the second run of the inning. So a nice 5-2 lead. The bullpen actually does their job. They hang on to things. We get Eli Morgan with a sh- – wow, I didn't even realize this. Uh, a perfect sixth inning. Uh, a, it took him 19 pitches, so it's not an immaculate inning, but he strikes out the side in the uh, in the sixth inning. Henches is pretty solid in the uh, seventh. Trevor Steffen gets another shot at the eighth inning and gives up a hit but gets out of it. And Emmanuel Classe gives up a leadoff walk here in the ninth inning. And he cannot find the strike zone for his life uh, in this uh, ninth inning. Walks Duran, very speedy runner, not the kind of guy you want to lead on base. Four straight pitches, tries to cut sliders and can't get them up to the strike zone. Tries two cutters and can't find the strike zone with them. One is down and in. One is up above the strike zone. So he walks Duran up four straight. Then Wong comes up and uh, he uh, he misses with a slider to start him. So that's five in a row. Finally gets a uh, a called strike at the very top of the strike zone. Even I was shocked he got the call on this one. So it makes it a 1-1 count. He finally gets a strike on his sixth pitch of the inning. Throws a slider that he misses with low. Uh, it's a 2-1 count. Then throws a uh, a cutter right down the middle of the plate for a called strike. At this point, Wong is just taking. Like, Classe is all in his own way. Uh, has no command of his pitches. And Wong is literally just sitting back here going, I'm not taking this bat off my shoulder until I have to. So he takes this cutter for a called strike. And then this is the pitch. This is the pitch that turned Emmanuel Classe. This went from just a relief appearance to a to a personal attack, uh, you know, against the umpire, uh, the home plate umpire here. On this pitch, it's a cutter. It should have been called strike three. It's on the lower outside at corner of the plate. It's well within the strike zone. Well within the strike zone. 99 times out of 100, this is a called strike three. And for some reason, the um, you know Colton Wong couldn't take the bat off his shoulder. Now the umpire can't take the hand out of his pocket and call strike three. So uh, it makes it a full count. And he comes back. That was at 99.5. Comes back at 100.6. The TV gun called it 101. They round up uh, right down the middle of the plate and just blows it by Connor Wong. Just absolute gas right there. Uh, he would not be denied of this strikeout. He would go on to strike out Ref Snyder next, who was pinch hitting uh, here in the ninth inning. And again, blows him away. Fifth pitch of the at-bat. It's a cutter at 100.5 right down the middle of the plate. And uh, usually Classe is a little more selective than that, but uh, decides to just go right at Ref Snyder and just blow him away at 100.5. Christian Arroyo is not going to waste any time. He's going to jump on the first pitch. It's a 100.8 mile per hour cutter, 101 on the TV gun, and he hits it deep to center field, 103.7 mile per hour exit velocity, 28 degree launch angle, 382 out to center field, out to the wall, and 850 expected batting average. But did you look at Miles Straw's eyes? Were you watching his eyes? I'm telling you, if you want to know whether a ball is going to get caught or not, watch the eyes. He wasn't looking for the ricochet. He wasn't looking high, arcing eyes, looking to watch the ball go out. He was tracking this thing the whole time. He had to sprint for it. He had to get on his horse and run for it. But I'm telling you, Straw's eyes 
told you he was going to catch this ball from the minute the camera cut to him. And uh, he runs it down, lets his body bounce off the, uh, what was that, a rocket mortgage ad or something like that in center field and uh, puts away the final out. So Class A gets his save, continues to lead the league in saves. The guy is a save machine. Um, you know, I was thinking about All-Star Game coming up, right? You know, we got to start thinking about that. There's articles already out there. There's ballots are out. I'm kind of thinking if if anyone's going to represent the Guardians, it's probably going to be Emmanuel Classe again. Like he's just he's been incredibly uh, good in save situations and non-save situations. Uh, it's a different story, but in save situations, I know he's blown a few saves this year, but uh, 20 saves again, leading the league. He's I think he's leading or close to the top of the league in appearances too. Uh, they were saying so. He has been the workhorse. Uh, of this bullpen, which is strange to say for the closer of the team. But, hey, we play in so many tight games, so many one-run games. This That's why it didn't feel like a save situation. Like, it didn't feel like angry locked-in Emmanuel Classe when he starts this ninth inning. The three-run lead is, oh, my God, that's a monumental lead for Emmanuel Classe to come in with. So, uh, he does get the job done, though. He he locks in and gets the job done in the ninth inning. So the other thing we got to talk about in this game, uh, yes, it's nice that Rosario goes, you know, three for four. Uh, Naylor going three for four. Uh, very nice things on the offensive side of thing. All the RBIs come from two, three, four, and five in your lineup. That's it's good. That means the off. That's a healthy. Healthy way to be scoring runs there. Uh, the heart of your order being the one to deliver the runs, that's pretty healthy stuff there. Uh, but no, the other thing we got to talk about is Tanner Bybee because he gets the W. He does. He goes five innings, only gives up four hits, two runs, only one earned. Uh, yeah, should have absolutely been out of that fourth inning. Uh, does have two walks. I believe it was a walk in the first inning that came around and scored, uh, yeah, Verdugo walk to kick off the game. And he would pay for it. Uh, Devers would bloop a ball in in front of Quan in no man's land in left field and drive in Verdugo. So the walk does cost Bybee in the first inning. Uh, two walks, only two strikeouts. On 90 pitches, here's the Bieber-esque part of it. On 90 pitches, he's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine times. It's a lot of hard contact for five innings pitched. It's a lot of hard contact for 90 pitches. Um, so, the yeah, the whiff rate just wasn't there. I mean, looking at the illustrator, yeah, his location seems okay. It seems like he's throwing a decent amount of strikes. Definitely wasn't pitching ahead. Uh, going to the count breakdown, started more batters 1-0 than he did 0-1. Uh, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 batters start in a 1-0 count. As opposed to only five, six, seven, eight, nine batters start 0 and 1. So, you know, maybe working behind a little more uh, throughout the game, not necessarily in those pitchers' counts, and then just could not get the whiffs. Uh, he has a total five whiffs on 39 swings. It's a 30, 13% whiff rate for Tanner Bybee. This is a guy, I don't know if StatCast has updated its numbers with today's game, but this is a guy who. Uh, has a whiff rate on the season of 26.8. 26.8% of swings are whiffs, and he's only at 13% in this game. So clearly not his most effective stuff 
of the season. Doesn't even add in that many called strikes. Only 11 called strikes. So 18% CSW. And the two pitches that get him the most whiffs are the slider and the changeup. And he didn't throw the changeup that much. Uh, only two whiffs on the slider, only two whiffs on the changeup. This is a guy that on those pitches is averaging on the slider a 35.4% whiff rate and on the changeup a 43.1% whiff rate. And he only had two whiffs on the slider and two whiffs on that changeup in this game. So, yeah, little surprising. Little surprising that uh, that he uh, he didn't induce uh, more swing and miss because uh, that's definitely been a calling card. Bybee and Allen have both racked up the strikeouts uh, since they've been called up. I'm um, just wondering his uh, his four seam fastball. What the average? Because he most of the hard hit stuff, most of the hits he gave up, the balls in play came off his four seam fastball. He had an average exit velocity off it tonight of ninety six point one. So they were hitting that fastball hard. The average exit velocity throughout the season on his four-seam fastball has been 92.7. So the pitch that gets hit the hardest, um, they do have a decent uh, 275 batting average. The collective, they have a 275 batting average against his fastball. So it is the pitch of his arsenal that does get hit a little bit. But the average exit velocity tonight, a little bit up from what he's normally giving up. So, yeah, so, uh, you know, he let a lot of base runners on. Obviously, he has to work out of a huge jam in the first inning, but he does work out of it. Uh, gets a fly out from Cassis and a force out from Enrique Hernandez to get out of that first inning. Uh, two, a one-out double in the second, but follows it up with a strikeout to Valdez before uh, Verdugo walks, but Yoshida grounds out to end the threat. Grounds out at 108.8 miles per hour. Whew. Um, so working through a lot of trouble in the second inning does go one, two, three in the third before dealing with that situation, which we've already talked about in the fourth, which he should have been out of, and then goes one, two, three in the fifth inning. So just like Bieber the night before working with a lot of men on base is giving up a lot of hard contact, didn't have his best swing and miss stuff, but managed to put out a very competent start from Bybee. So we, we do expect more. We do, you know, we expect a lot out of our rookies, and we do expect more here, but, you know, a fairly competent start for Tanner Bybee. So, MVP on the day for me in this game. Uh, oh, boy. I think I got to go with, uh, I think I got to go with Josh Naylor. You know, we didn't talk about him a ton, but delivered big hits, had that double in the fourth inning, and Bell is able to bring him in, I believe, or in the, um, Second innings, sorry. Uh, in the second inning, it was a leadoff double to kick things off, and then Bell with the immediate single uh, to drive him in. So that's big right there. And then in the fourth inning, he does get the big RBI hit uh, once those errors let those guys on base. And so uh, for that, for the run scored, for driving in runs, uh, Josh Naylor is taking home MVP on the day for me. Um all right, before we get out of here, let's get to those recent emails. Um, Tony had emailed in. Uh, he said the two errors at first base in the top of the fourth is a microcosm of the season. Mistakes that compound and end up costing big. Yeah, I mean, when these things go down and, you know, Boston jumps into the lead and we just gift them a run, 
I I did have a little pessimism crawl into my mind and think like uh, this is just kind of we're, we're we're too much bad news bears this year, right? A little too much bad news bears this year, and uh, making some errors out on the field definitely walks and errors. You're not going to get very far uh, when those things start racking up and those things start compounding. So. Yeah, I was a little worried too, Tony. And then you heard the bottom of the fourth inning, and uh, suddenly uh, you realize that maybe this is just two sloppy teams going at it uh, here in a June game. And then we got an email. Our friend Marlon from Birmingham emailed in Birmingham. I'm sorry. Our friend Marlon from Birmingham emailed in. Um, he said, shout out to both Rosario and Naylor for their three hit performances. The offense has combined for 20 hits through the first two games of the series. Yeah. Also Boston, not having their best pitching right now. This is me jumping back in. Uh, you know, Kluber was warming up in the bullpen. I don't even know if that was just getting work in like a bullpen session or what, uh, never ends up coming into the game. But Kluber was hurting. Uh, Sale just went on the IL. So they're playing bullpen games right now. So we're not facing the best pitching Boston has to offer. But, hey, it's not our fault for guys being hurt. Um, Jumping back into Marlins' email, there were some shaky defensive plays by both teams as they combined for five errors. A couple of errors cost Bybee an unearned run. But I was pleased with his performance. With talk of the bullpen being overused, I thought Tito might try to get another inning from Bybee, who had thrown 90 pitches through five innings although I do understand why they took him out. And this is going to lead into Marlins' second point. While I'm pleased with Allen and Bybee's pitching, I'm concerned about inning limit and how this will be addressed. This is why I love the rosters previously expanded to 40 in September, and I'd advocate advocate for it to return. The full 40-man roster allowed for three catchers available in games, service time clock starts for debuting rookies, more arms added to a fatigued bullpen, and more starting depth for those with inning limits. You could either skip a few starts to either shut them down, or if you've seen enough and the team is out of playoff contention, or to save these innings for a playoff run, I'd hate to seeing rookies being demoted despite pitching well because of inning limits. Um, he followed Just to finish up his email, Boston started tomorrow as TBD as of right now. Cleveland needs Savali to pitch well to earn the series win and split the season series. So I'm down with that, Marlon. Let's go out and finish this series off and let's just keep winning series right we gotta just focus on what's in front of us uh if we want to climb back into this thing although for those of you scoreboard watching uh i think detroit was rained out and minnesota lost so i mean this this division is anybody minnesota is at 500 right now we are not a good division so i mean like two hot weeks and you could jump into a commanding lead in the american league central right now um so going back to his point about these rookie pitchers and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they're gonna, you know, these guys, the thing is they've never pitched this much, right? To pitch an entire major league season is a ton of innings to hit 200 innings is a ton of innings that they just don't prepare you for in the minor leagues coming up in college, minor leagues, you don't do it. So, uh, it is tough on these guys. I honestly think um, more than sending one of these guys down, I think it's more likely that you see them maybe go to a six-man rotation late in the season, right? Does Gaddis or Williams come up and make it a six-man rotation? Just spreads everything out a little more, some extra rest. Obviously, you'd get you know one or two less starts by the end of the season. 
uh, depending on when they kind of when they would make a move like that. But it's just I feel like you, I just don't feel like they're gonna demote him. I I don't I don't feel like that's something that Cleveland's front office. I can't think of an example of Cleveland's front office doing that of demoting a guy just to save innings, just to save his arm uh, throughout a season. But you know that's a team that's been in contention for the last how many years. So. Uh, yeah, they haven't had to do that. They've just been focusing on contention and winning and getting to those playoffs. So uh, you're right. It's good to point it out, Marlon, because it will be interesting to see how it's managed. Is it just like it was managed today? Five and fly, right? You did your work, five innings pitched, you collect that win, you're the pitcher of record, uh, but 90 pitches, good enough, go hit the showers. So yeah, so we'll see, Marlon. We will keep an eye, and uh, we'll see how they manage this going forward so thank you marlin for the email um and uh thank you to tony for also emailing in and like i said the rest of you emailers get ready for sunday morning because we are gonna go through all of it all right that's all my thoughts thanks for joining me on this cleveland baseball morning again the final it's the guardians five the Red Sox 2. Let's go win this series. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Spotify. If you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>